Welcome to the Artist Academy podcast, a place where we focus on the business side of art to help you attract more customers, increase profits, and ultimately live a life of creativity and financial freedom. I'm your host, Andrea Earhart, and happy May Mural Month. I had to end this month with a chapter from my book, Mural Money, all about how to start and grow your mural business from the ground up, (laughs) extremely fitting to this month's mural theme, right? Well, this is a snippet of chapter seven out of my book that explains how I leveraged the power of a small city to create a name for myself because I used to think that I needed to travel outside of small town Springfield, Missouri to find work like to Miami or LA or all those artsy places or really just anywhere else than small town Midwest. And I used to tell myself that well-paid jobs weren't possible in my area and I was wrong. And I'm so glad I figured it out before moving across the country. So this chapter is completely devoted to the idea of becoming the go-to artist in whatever area you live in, but specifically small-town America. And if you like this sneak peek chapter of my book, Mural Money, then I highly encourage you to get the audio version of the full book with over 15 hours of listening inspiration because I'm currently running a special for just $17 for the audio version. That comes with a bunch of extras like my art supply list, my pricing guide, my recommended book and podcast list, and so much more. I filled this book with tips from my journey of building a profitable mural career, plus I've included the best of the best advice from guests that I've interviewed on this podcast throughout the last several years. And it's my most affordable all-in-one book of advice on art and business. And if you enjoy listening to me here, then I know you'll enjoy the book too because I read it myself. (laughs) This book is available on Amazon and Audible. It came out about a year and a half ago and sold a bunch of copies. And it's normally $25. But if you go to muralmoney.com, that is where you can grab the $17 deal while it lasts this summer. So normally $25, I'm running a deal for $17 for the audio version. Plus you get all the extras with the supply list and the pricing guide and all that. So if you haven't listened to my book, this is your sign to finally do it. Anyway, let's get to it and let me know what you think about this week's episode all about becoming the go-to artist in your area. Chapter 7. Become the go-to artist. Establishing a prominent presence and a positive reputation locally is a sure way to succeed as a full-time artist. Becoming the go-to artist in your area will ensure your services become widespread by word of mouth. That's what we're going for here. In addition, it will help you secure repeat business. As you read this, I'm sure you're wondering, okay, yeah, but how do I do that? Positioning yourself as the local artist takes perseverance and consistency, and we're going to get to all of it, but it also requires quite a bit of time. So I suggest you start right now. Even if you live in a bigger city where the competition is steep, there is still potential for you to become the go-to artist in the area because I'm going to bet The big city you live in is bordered by cities or towns with smaller populations. These locations make it a lot easier to become the go-to artist. You can still do it in your big town, but these surrounding areas most likely are less congested with artists. Focus your attention on pitching your services to the individuals and business owners in the smaller areas. 
I believe the best locations for this have populations between 5,000 or 10,000 around there to 200,000 or so. Many people think that you have to move to highly populated areas to make it as an artist. And I agree that there are significant opportunities in those areas, but towns with smaller populations have plenty of opportunities as well. I'm solid proof that artists can cater to a minimal population, stay busy, and make great money. (laughs) I actually had an artist from Kansas City, Missouri, tell me that she needed to move because she thought her area had no opportunities for artists. (laughs) I assured her that she could, in fact, become a successful go-to artist in Kansas City with the right approach. (laughs) I just thought that it was interesting that someone living in a bigger city than I was telling me it wasn't quite possible to make good money there. It is, and you can, and I'm going to explain. So many underestimate the amount of money available for art in small towns. As a beginner artist, it briefly crossed my mind that I would need to move away from Springfield to achieve big things. And I still hear people say, there's no money in Springfield. They couldn't be more wrong. There is, you just have to find it. Multiple muralists are working in my city and there's enough room for all of us to stay busy. We're loving life and getting to paint as much as we want because opportunities are in small town Springfield too. The grass is not always greener in a city where the buildings are taller. The opportunities are right where you are. You just have to know how to find and recognize them. Creating a few giant murals in prominent locations might be enough to help your business take off. I think artists make the terms art marketing or art business or even promotion way harder than they need to be because in reality, it's simple. If you practice painting enough to create a good product, the next step is to simply put it in front of enough eyes to see it. Then if enough people see your amazing art, someone will eventually buy it. That's all it comes down to. (laughs) Business terms aside, that's all it's trying to explain. I understand that it may seem easier said than done. So let me explain some specific ways to grow and market your brand by getting people to view your product. There's a concept called feast or famine, which describes the changing seasons in business. There will be times where your business is booming and you'll have more work than you have ever had before. Then there will be seasons where it's difficult to find any work at all. This concept isn't exclusive to the art industry either. Any industry that involves contract work typically goes through these ups and downs, particularly construction. I was already anticipating my first famine season before it happened. Luckily, I slowly went from traveling for work and being home just a few days out of the month to being home most of the time because walls just didn't need to be painted. I was compensated by the hour working for the outdoor store, so any time spent not painting meant that I wasn't getting paid. Although this sounds like it could have been devastating, I was actually okay with it. You know, I was lucky enough to be able to save up quite a bit of income during my feast season, which lasted a couple of years. Since I had anticipated the down season and sufficiently prepared by saving, I didn't have a panic during those times when business wasn't exactly booming. Instead, I took full advantage of this downtime and traveled for fun this time, not for work. Taking a 30-day backpacking trip around Thailand and then spending a few weeks in Africa was the perfect way to live during the off-season. I had a few painting gigs here and there, then I would go exploring between those jobs. I set out for Europe, Asia, and everywhere in between. For a while, my life involved painting between adventures and immediately planning the next trip as soon as that one ended. 
My second trip across Europe came just three years or so after that initial backpacking escapade. This time I started in Iceland and visited Spain, Belgium, and France. Oh, it was so much fun. I had more money to spend this time and because I had been working as an artist for a few years. So I didn't need to stay in hostels anymore that cost only about 15 euros a night. We stayed in one that cost like five euros a night. It was a party, but I'm not knocking my first budget experience in Europe though. I highly recommend it to any traveler craving a low-cost adventure. The people I met in hostels were some of the most unique individuals I had ever met. And it's easy to bond with anyone who shares the same travel book gene. From meeting a friend in Mexico for the holidays to joining my now husband in Cuba to explore the city for what ended up being our first official date, I immensely enjoyed the cycle of painting and traveling. During this time in my life, I worked long hours in brief stints, like 12 hours a day for several weeks with hardly any breaks and saved the majority of my money. I didn't have a brand new car and I didn't have a big house payment. So I was free. I mostly lived out of a suitcase or a backpack and I was in love with the simple lifestyle. You know, I painted and built up my savings for fun trips. My parents would routinely call and ask, where are you now? Just making sure you're alive. <laughs> now that I think about it, I can think of no better way to spend my mid-20s. Meeting new friends, exploring different cities, and backpacking across faraway countries with no real plans of where to go next was all exquisite experiences. It fascinated me how other cultures had their own way of living that was completely different from my own. And it's so funny because a lot of the people we met traveling were exactly just what I would consider normal because, you know, we're all human. And it's just, it's just crazy to see like people who grew up so differently be so similar in so many ways. You know, traveling opened my eyes to a new way of doing things. And these were things I could read about, like my dad suggested I just read a book about it instead of going and going across the country without any supervision. But I liked immersing myself in the experience, walking the streets of Berlin, Germany, or maybe even closer to town like Austin, Texas. You know, you don't have to go far to go and travel new, new cultural experiences. All of that made me aware of the power of street art. You know, locals would tell me all about the local art and how each piece contributed to the city's traditions, cultures, and ambiance. I was in awe of the lovely paintings living on the walls of the historic cities. You know, to say I was inspired is an understatement. Places like Berlin, Germany, they have street art tours where you go around and just see all the massive street art and it's a different experience. But it was a trip with Ryan, my now husband, to Austin, Texas, was what sparked my goal of becoming the local go-to artist in Springfield, Missouri through murals. The original intent of the trip was for Ryan to show me where he went to college at the University of Texas. The many murals on the streets caught my eye and we found a map online that pinpointed each prominent mural location. We ended up driving around and taking photos of the cute street art. You know, we made a whole day of it. On our drive back to Missouri, I declared that I wanted to bring that level of street art to our small town in the Midwest. Ryan was 100% up for the challenge, too. If I got excited about it, he was excited about it. As we made our way back to Missouri, Ryan and I brainstormed different ideas for murals I could paint on the walls of Springfield. We also made a list of the local businesses we could pitch to when we got home. And I don't think any of those early ideas actually came to fruition, but that discussion is what kickstarted what is now the hashtag 41 Street Art Project. 
Springfield was a blank canvas and I wanted to fill it with street art. If you couldn't tell already, I have a business mindset. And even then, I knew that painting public spaces would help market my business. Those painted outdoor spaces would serve as a sort of long-term billboard for my artwork. And with my signature advertising at the bottom of each one, it wasn't even 24 hours after we got back into town that we set up a meeting with a downtown business owner. We met at the wall that we wanted to paint on, and I explained to the owner the vision I had to paint a giant butterfly that would serve as a photo opportunity for patrons of Springfield. I had a mission in mind to paint quite a few of those murals and turn the town into an art paradise. I wanted it to be just like Austin, Texas, where you could look it up online and you could have a map and you could go around to all the different places because that was just absolutely not what Springfield was like at all at the time. And the business owner was a lawyer and someone who we knew personally. He was kind of a friend-ish, an acquaintance, and his business would not benefit at all from a giant photo op butterfly, but he was kind enough to agree to it anyway. <laughs> I never spoke to him about a price for the mural because he really just didn't have any benefit for it, but I offered to do it for free. From the look on his face, I could tell that the business owner was uneasy about allowing some girl to paint butterfly wings on his clean wall. But finally, a little hesitant and a bit curious, he agreed to let me do it. I didn't waste any time getting started. The next day, I began to work on what is now one of my most famous murals. It took me 12 hours to paint that first set of monarch butterfly wings, and I had no idea how much attention they would eventually attract. Those giant wings spread my name across town and eventually further than I had ever expected. Of course, I had hoped that people would like it and even stop by to pose for a picture. I had hoped that the word would spread. However, the positive reaction to the mural was beyond what any of us had hoped for. Now, to this day, we joke that you're not a real Springfield sorority girl unless you have had your picture taken with the butterfly wings downtown. I hear that my mural even shows up in profile pictures on Tinder or other dating websites, and it's been featured in local magazines, and most people know what, quote, the butterfly downtown, quote, is. That first outdoor mural has served as a billboard for my art, and it started a domino effect of me booking more and more jobs and creating a local name for myself. Since that first set of butterfly wings, I have painted similar sets of wings throughout the United States and even across the seas. My butterfly wings appear in countries such as Iceland, Thailand, New Zealand, Aruba, and even South Africa. <laughs> I painted most of them as just volunteer projects to help spread awareness of my brand. I like to think of the concept as the butterfly wings was a self-made type of luck that came from thinking outside the box and recognizing a void that needed to be filled. I would not have recognized that void if it were not for my extensive travels to other countries where I observed the artwork of different cultures. Viewing artwork that was different from what I was exposed to daily opened my eyes to the possibilities. Previously, there was an open need for photo op artwork in the Midwest, or so I thought so, which is what made my butterfly wing mural become so popular so quickly. It has since been copied multiple times and similar murals have gone up in my area, but none have surpassed the popularity of the monarch. I often joke that I am just trying to one-up myself and create something more viral than that dang butterfly. It hadn't have been the first one, right? <laughs> like I'm just trying to constantly outdo myself from that first street art piece. 
I'm constantly on the lookout and exploring to uncover more of those rare ideas for public projects needed in my area. Whether other artists aren't willing to jump through the necessary hoops to complete a project or my local area just hasn't caught on to a trend, I'm always searching for that next viral piece. One of the best strategies I use to this day is to pay attention to the busier, more congested parts of the world. What are they doing right now? What types of art are trending in those areas? What businesses are trending? Those trends that come from the more populated areas of the world tend to eventually trickle down to small places in the Midwest. If we catch those ideas in time, we can capitalize on the possibilities by bringing those trends to our local areas. Butterfly wings were not a brand new concept to the world. They were brand new to the Midwest though. Nobody in my small town had ever seen anything like that unless they traveled outside of the city. So I filled that void. To this day, I get tagged in images of people finding the wings for the very first time. They'll continue to fly still. The butterfly wings were a mutually beneficial project for myself and the public. I have created that original set of wings in many variations and many different places. Although I think it is worthwhile to search for innovative new projects, There is magic in finding something that people love and then just recreating it over and over again in new ways. Instead of creating one set of butterfly wings and stopping, I use that same idea to paint more wings in multiple variations in multiple locations. With each set of butterfly wings I painted, whether it was at our local zoo or an entirely different country, I made sure each pair looked slightly different than the others. They all include the signature tiny little butterflies fluttering up from the edges as well to kind of make it make them all similar in a way. But each butterfly mural was tagged with the relevant hashtag 417 street art if painted locally or hashtag worldwide wings if painted globally. I had the vision to create more than just wings and I wanted everything to be connected online where people could find my next new mural and take pictures with it. And that's precisely what started happening. I would paint mural after mural and post it online to let everybody know. And finally, it got to the point where people would follow the hashtag 417 street art with the goal of being the first person to take a picture with my next artwork. There was very little art in Springfield at the time. And so the public was excited to see the walls slowly fill with color. On the other hand, there were a lot of people who were not accustomed to the idea of street art quite yet. As a big fish in a small pond, I quickly learned that educating the public fish was going to be a task. Every time I mentioned the word street art, people would look at me with confusion and a hint of disgust. To them, street art qualified as graffiti and graffiti equaled vandalism. I had to change my lingo and call it a mural or public art or anything but street art to prevent instant rejection for paid projects. On top of that, people were not accustomed to spending money on this type of thing and didn't see the value right away. I had to work to change their perspective on it by showing them what benefits murals had around the city. Benefits like community pride, making the area more attractive and memorable, and increasing tourism and foot traffic to the downtown area. At one point, I set up a meeting with our local tourism company to pitch my idea of creating some kind of Springfield postcard-style mural for tourists and locals to pose beside for pictures. The tourism company was not interested, but I couldn't understand why, because I was so bought into the idea that murals would, in fact, increase our city's value, which would then increase 
tourism after pitching to a few more locations, one finally agreed. I collaborated with our local discovery center to create the largest 417 street art piece yet. The greetings from Springfield mural. It serves as a postcard style backdrop for visitors and locals alike to share photos online as a way to display their community pride. I believed that if I kept pitching these mural ideas and continued to color the downtown streets, people would eventually notice and it would start to make art a subjection of conversation. Locals seeing art as they go about their daily lives brings awareness to the artist community. This makes art more valuable. The value of art in a small pond of Springfield was low. I knew that continuing to paint public art would bring awareness and value to my own art brand. And if you're a small fish in a big pond, meaning you're a beginner artist in a big city, you likely already have an audience who sees the value in public art. And you're able to charge more too. Typically, I hear artists who live in big cities fret about the cost of living and high competition. To them, this equals more risk, which, I mean, they're not wrong. The barrier of entry is higher, and this makes their goals unreachable in their minds. The thing about living in a big pond is that the larger ponds are full of growth opportunity. There's a lot more walls and a lot more buyers who are willing and able to pay for your art there. The big-time muralists in the big ponds, they can't paint everything. (laughs) Your buyers are likely accustomed to the idea of purchasing art, and they see art more often as well, and they know the costs associated with it. I'm not saying you have it easy either if you live in the bigger ponds. There are challenges wherever you're located, and there's no one location that's better than the other. Just think of your first public mural as a billboard. You know, there are countless billboards between where I live in Springfield and the neighboring town of Branson, which is a little under an hour away. These billboards are advertising shows, restaurants, shops, and all of the things Branson, Missouri has to offer. However, nobody is slamming on their brinks on the highway to take selfies with those billboards and posting it online to promote that business And for probably good reason, it's just not happening. And I bet those businesses are paying a pretty penny to have their billboards up there for so long. A mural, however, is a much less expensive billboard that people will promote for you. Whether you paint photo ops and leave a space for the viewer to interact with your art or just aesthetically pleasing images that people like to take photos of, people will spread the word about your art. Understanding people, their habits, And what they like to do is part of marketing. Observe what people react well to. For example, people love to capture memories by taking photos of themselves, their friends, and their family. So by painting photo op murals, you are providing your audience with a pretty backdrop to help them elevate their image. As I said, my photo op butterfly wing mural was not a new concept at all, but it was new to my area. These types of interactive murals are popular across the world, and I know you could make it work for you too. I've seen multiple artists do it. Take my good friend and fellow artist, Samantha Cox, as an example. She was in a job she did not like in the slightest, so I repeatedly nudged her towards maybe the possibility of pursuing art full-time. After a little bit of convincing, she visited me several times on job sites. Samantha had some free time due to the COVID pandemic where she wasn't working as much. So she was able to come out with me and I was able to teach her the basics and helped her build her confidence during this time together. She learned very quickly and I could tell that she would thrive as an artist and be so much happier working for herself in a creative career. 
Eventually, together, we pitched a design for a giant mural in her hometown of Marshfield, Missouri. Not far away from Springfield, this town has an impressively low population of almost 8,000 people, which is much smaller than Springfield. So I helped her meet with the customer and we decided on a location by the busy side of town and right next to a busy intersection. I also made sure she was set up and good to go to paint her first ever giant mural basically by herself. Even though their budget for the mural was relatively low, I knew this location would get her a lot of attention and would be worth the effort. It took Samantha a few weeks to finish that big mural in Marshfield. The thing was massive. But, and this is also understandable because after all, it was her first mural. Her slower speed actually worked in her favor. The number of people who saw her paintings throughout those few weeks and came to speak to her was astounding. Needless to say, that first mural sparked her career as a muralist. Samantha has since worked hard on her own to create many murals in Marshfield and has grown to be the go-to artist in the area. See, murals still work for us long after we create them. Our artistic signatures live at the bottom of our murals, which means our brand gets exposure every time that piece of art is viewed. Every mural I paint, Samantha paints, you paint, will continue to serve as an advertisement for our artistic abilities. Obviously, painting one mural isn't like waving a magic wand and bibbidi-bobbidi-boo, you're the go-to artist in the area. She had to paint several after that initial one for people to start recognizing her as the local artist. That first mural started a chain reaction for other mural commissions that opened even more doors for her. It took Samantha a little over a year to get really busy with painting projects, but it skyrocketed once she gained momentum. She was booked out for over a month with inquiries coming in left and right thanks to her added efforts on social media. From quitting her job to getting commissioned by Amazon, she's now in a job that fulfills her creativity and pays more than double what she made before. One summer, I created a mural in an even smaller town than Marshfield, and the same process happened Again, (laughs) I was commissioned to paint in Buffalo, Missouri on the square and the phenomenon of the word of mouth on social media spread again. This time I brought Shannon Joy to help me. At the time, Shannon was another up and coming artist who was local to my area. And like Samantha, Shannon had joined me on several previous murals to help build her skills and gain confidence. This time I set her up to paint the majority of a giant logo, which was something I knew would take her many hours to complete. I warned her that many people would likely stop by and inquire about her services and to act on it. It was in a high trafficked area and the potential to earn more customers was great. Shannon was still very new to murals, but I encouraged her to take on whatever project came her way. I also let her know that she could always come to me for help if she needed it. Obviously, I'd have her back. After three days of painting, Shannon gained four new jobs from simply painting in public. She has been back to paint in Buffalo many times since then on big projects. A couple weeks later, after that initial job, I received a text from Shannon that read, another mural job just finalized. One four-day job will pay a full month of bills for me. Thank you so much for believing in me and giving me opportunities to learn and grow. You've absolutely changed my life. I'm not crying. You're crying. (laughs) This is the power of it, though. Murals can do this. Everyone has to start somewhere. You know, I helped Samantha and Shannon set up with their first big attention-grabbing murals to give them the jumpstart they needed to fast-track their careers as a muralist. Things started happening for them rather quickly because they had experience, 
photos to promote on social media, and the buzz of the town. They took the opportunity and combined it with their own efforts and hard work. As such, they have set themselves up as go-to artists in their area. Honestly, I helped them in part to test my own theory that these strategies could work for anyone. You know, I wanted to see that it wasn't just something that worked for me. I also knew that they had the work ethic to take the opportunity further without my help. I knew I didn't need to hold their hand the entire time, just maybe a little bit in the beginning. If done correctly, it can work for you too. I'm giving you the formula to give yourself your own jumpstart. So go out there and kick over that first domino yourself. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Artist Academy podcast. I've been putting out at least one episode per week for more than four years on this podcast. And it's really cool to see those download numbers go up and up as time goes on. And that's because artists like you listen and share these episodes. So really, when I say thank you, I mean it. (laughs) It's really cool to see progress along the way. And anyway, if you like this type of art and business content, then I highly encourage you to get the audio version of my book, Mural Money, with over 15 hours of listening inspiration. I'm currently running a special of just $17 for the audio version. You can go to muralmoney.com to find it. And that comes with a bunch of extras like my art supply list, my pricing guide, recommended book and podcast list, and so much more. I filled that book with tips from my art journey of building a profitable mural career. Plus, I've included the best of the best advice from guests I've interviewed on this podcast. It's the most affordable all-in-one book of advice on art and business that I have. And if you enjoy listening to me here, then I know you'll like the book too because I read it myself all 15 hours of it. (laughs) The book is available on Amazon and Audible normally for $25, but if you go to muralmoney.com, that is where you can grab the special $17 deal while it lasts. If you haven't listened to my book yet, this is your sign to do it. Again, normally $25, running a special for $17, but you have to go to muralmoney.com. That's where you can grab the audio version of it. And that's all I have for you today. So I will see you next week for another episode of the Artist Academy podcast.